0: Tonight we're going to continue with a message series that we started last week, and and we're talking about leveling up in our spiritual growth. And so this is steps to pursue that. And so last week, if you missed out, if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or again one of our podcast channels. But what we want to talk about is growing. And last week we talked about the fact that oftentimes we endeavor to begin something in our lives, a work, a pursuit of some kind, and we run into walls, and we. get discouraged. And we talked about ways to overcome that discouragement by talking about just myths, things that that we buy into that aren't necessarily true when it comes to growth. Well, tonight we're going to continue that, but I want to talk about steps to growing, right? Because if we're going to go somewhere, it's important to have a roadmap, right? Steps to take to make sure that we have success. Um, I know this, uh, when I was pursuing my wife, right? It was really important for me to go from the friend zone, right, to like the dating zone. And if you guys have ever been there, there there's steps you have to take. And, And it's important to know what that other person wants or the things that you need to fulfill in order to begin to make that transition. Well, growth is the same way, right? There's a place that God wants us to be in our lives. There's something that he wants to take place in each of our lives, whether it's our walk with him, our recovery, and we do need to know what that is so we can begin to take that step to get where we wanna be and to get where he wants us to be. And so again, tonight's message is level up, steps to pursue growth. And so I'm gonna open up again with Hebrews. I opened up with Hebrews last week. It's kind of like our key passage for this. In Hebrews, it's a phenomenal book of your Bible, we're not really sure of the author, but it was written to Hebrew Christians, possibly second generation. And the thing that they had going on is they were persecuted. And so if you start reading through Hebrews, it opens up really just pushing um, just the deity of Jesus saying, this is why Jesus is great. This, this is why you should pursue him and follow him. And the reason he was laying that out is because as people face persecution, as they ran into roadblocks with their walk, they begin to get discouraged which is kind of what we talked about last night or last week, right? We run into things and we're we're gung-ho at some point to pursue change in our lives and then something happens and we're like, maybe not. And so the Christians of the time, they were facing that. There was cultural things going on where people would discourage them from living their lives better, discourage them from doing the things they should do. And if you've been in recovery, you've encountered that. Or maybe they began to be taught things that just weren't quite true and they would begin to question this. And they encountered um, Christians that weren't real Christians and they began to, to label Christianity from that way. And we do that too in, in recovery and in the church. And so that's what Hebrews is kind of overcoming in the beginning. And then in 11, he begins to lay out all these heroes of faith and say, hey, listen, I know you're in a hard spot, but look at all these people that have walked it out. And that's really a picture of what we should do. We have great stories in our Bibles of people who have had success, but it's really a picture of the people we should look around. There's people in your lives that are great heroes to faith, whether it's somebody to encourage you in your marriage, somebody you can look at that's where you wanna be, somebody in your recovery that you can look at and say, I wanna be where they're at. And we can be encouraged by those great heroes of faith, those people we find in church and find in recovery. And he actually says this, the writer of Hebrews in 11, 39, 40, he said, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that we would not reach so that they would not reach perfection without us. And so the writer is saying, Listen, you're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, heroes to the faith. And then in twelve he says, Therefore, say therefore, Therefore, since these things are taking place, therefore, since with the work that Jesus has done is important, it's elevated, it's above all, therefore, because of this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off Every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And so the writer of Hebrews here begins to liken our walk of faith or recovery, however you want to paint that picture, as a race. And we discussed that last week. And a race has some things, right? It has a starting point, which as we come into our relationship with Jesus, as we begin to, to set down the things of the old life, that's our starting point. And then it has a finish line something that we need to pursue. The thing that every race has in common a need that we all have is endurance. We need to be able to endure no matter how long that race is. And our races are all different lengths, but we all need endurance to finish them. We need to stay focused. And the writer here says, strip off these weights. That's growth. When you step into your race, when you step into your walk, your marriage, your recovery, whatever it is you've stepped into, that you're like, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do so well at this. You come into that position weighted down, no matter what it is. When I began to get sober, I was weighted down with wounds from my past. There was so much damage there that I had to overcome. There were so many behaviors that I had to begin to deal with, because I wasn't healthy. When I stepped into my marriage, there was a new leg of the race that God had for me. And do you know what? I was not a very good husband in the beginning. There were so many things in my life that weighted me down. When I became a parent, I was so broken. I'm still broken, I'm still growing. And every day I have to begin to evaluate where I'm at in my race, and I have to look at things like this and say, what can I strip off today? What can I take off that's weighing me down, that's holding me back? How can I pursue the finish line better than I'm pursuing it today? And so he said, run with endurance. The race that God has set before us, the race that God has set before you. And the thing that we talked about last week is this, that growth, it rarely looks the way we want or happens as fast as we would like, right? As we step into these things, as we change, I don't know about you, but I had an expectation of things happening instantly. When I decided to get sober, I thought it would be so easy and nothing could be farther from the truth. When I stepped into my marriage with, with Janelle, I really thought it was going to be like this Disney storybook thing. And I'll be honest, it turned more like into a Jerry Springer episode than anything, right? It just it did, didn't happen the way that I wanted it to. And so we've got to realize this, that growth, growth, again, is <laughs> a journey. It's not a destination. That, that as we're going through these things in life, That that it's a journey. In each part of the journey, we have to evaluate where we are. We have to run with endurance. We have to deal with the things in our lives that are tripping us up, that are holding us back. No matter what it is that you're pursuing. And so he continues in verses 2 and 4. And he says, we do this. We do what? We run the race with endurance. We strip off these weights. We grow in our walk. We do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That's why here at Cedar Point Recovery, we wholeheartedly believe that no matter what it is you're pursuing in life, Jesus should be at the center. That no matter what it is, you're trying to be better or do better, that Jesus is the center of it. Because if you want to run with endurance, if you want to strip off the weights, if you want to grow, if you want to pursue success... You do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then he says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And so he begins to just tell us that if you want success, this is where it's found. And that's why if you ask me where success is found, I always point to the one who initiates and perfects your faith. I will never point to a program. I will never point to a church. It's all about Jesus, that if you wanna grow, if you wanna find success, it's about pursuing him and keeping your eyes on him. And so how do we pursue growth? Point number one is this tonight, growth comes through an engagement with God's word. Again, growth comes through an engagement with God's word, I, I encounter a lot of people throughout the week and, and people in different levels of growth, different levels of their walk, different levels of their recovery. And, and one of the things I always encourage people to do is to read your Bible. Now, so often we, we forget how important that book is that we have. That that it's not just a book. That it is elevated. That it is something different, right? It, it it's not insignificant, but but we treat it as such. And oftentimes, I, I've I've encountered people, and I've been guilty of this. as I came into my faith, and I was real gung ho. I, I I kind of recognized its significance, so I bought me a Bible, right? Like my, the Bible that was given to me, it it wasn't good enough. One day, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get this Bible, and then my wife will tell you I needed to buy another Bible, right? and and then I needed a third Bible and and, and then now I have like six Bibles and you know what? I haven't read them all through because the Bible became like the thing instead of the content, right? As I I stepped into my phase, it was just like, this is so great. I've, I've got God's word now. I'm gonna collect it. For what? For what, right? If I just kept the one and I opened it up and I read it, that would be so much more significant in my life than having six or seven of them. That I don't read like I should. If I just had one. And I pursued the content of it wholeheartedly. If I recognized its authority in my life. In every area. And I studied it day in and day out. I would grow. And that's my challenge to you. Begin to recognize the significance of God's word. Because if you're trying to get off drugs, guess what? The answer's in that book that you probably laid on your coffee table that's collecting dust. If you want to be a better husband, a better wife, guess what? The answers have been given to us by the one who initiates and perfects our faith. The word of God is in our Bible to help us to grow, right? It's not a coaster, It's not a tabletop decoration, right? It's not an ornament for your work desk. It's not something you throw in the front seat of your car when a cop pulls you over so he knows that you're a good person and doesn't get you out and search you, right? I actually did that one time. Cop pulled me over and made sure the Bible was in the front seat. Um, (laughs) Little confession there. Uh, That's not what it's for though, right? It's not to get you out of tickets. So what is it for? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. He says this, all scripture. Say all scripture. All scripture. And, and I want to point that out because it's all scripture. Like even the parts that make you uncomfortable, even the parts you disagree with, even the parts that don't fit the narrative of your life, All scripture, the whole thing, all of it collectively together, especially the parts that reveal your brokenness. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is what is what? What is true and helps us to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses it, what, to make us feel guilty and make us feel ashamed? No. God uses it to what? To to push us away from him so we know we'll never be good enough for him? Absolutely not. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every, say every. For every good work. For every good work. And so when I look at this passage here, it reveals, two verses here reveal the importance of God's word. That book that you have access to is the word of God. Think how much our creator loved us. That he, he breathed life into us and in that same, same very breath. He wrote it down in written language so we could read it, so we could study it, so we could apply it to our lives, so we could use it as a mirror to see the broken places, the hurting places, the wounds, so that we could heal, so we could grow, so we could pursue something better than we're pursuing now. And the more time we, re- we spend reading it, the more time we spend pursuing it, I guarantee you it'll make your life better. It'll make your marriage better. It'll give you a better chance of success in every area of growth. And it's meant for something more than to hold up the corner of your couch. It's meant to be read. It's meant to be loved. It's meant to be studied. It's the breath of God that we have access to so that we can grow. And so again, point number one, growth comes through an engagement, a pursuit, a reading, Of God's word, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us feel, it's important that we we know where we should go. God's word reveals that. It gives us our destination. It reveals the finish line. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to run a race where I don't know where I'm going. It's so much easier to endure when I can see the end. God's word gives that to us. So growth comes. Through an engagement with God's word. Next, we need to understand that growth comes through a connection with the body. Again, growth comes through a connection with the body. Well, Pastor Aaron, my, my recovery is it's private. It's between it's between me and God. No, it's not. Sorry, you're wrong. Uh, Well, I do do church at home. I don't really need to go every week. and, And I don't need, you know, to go to things like this. You know, my faith is personal. No, it's not. You're wrong. I would love to engage in a conversation with you and tell you how wrong you are. My wife will tell you how much I love to tell people they're wrong. And so if you want to engage with me afterwards, I would love to do that. But but growth comes through being connected to the body, being connected to believers. We've got to connect with people that are like-minded pursuing Jesus, that are heading towards the same finish line as us. We need to be a part of the body to grow. And so again, growth comes through connection with the body. Romans 12, 3 says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. And I love that. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Is that not what we're doing when we disengage from the things that God has encouraged us and commanded us to do? I don't need to go to church. Why? Too arrogant? Too proud? What is it? Do you think you're better than you really are? I don't need a support system. I can do it on my own. Why is that? You're better than the rest of us. You won't fall. I need encouragement. I need support. So don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us. Then he continues in 4 and 5. He said, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We, say we, we. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. That here, he begins to paint this picture that that we're meant to be together. That last part, we all belong to each other. That doesn't sound very private, does it? It sounds like that whole narrative's been torn out, torn down, that, that it doesn't apply here. That we need to recognize that we're part of one body, that we're called together, that we're called to grow together, to function together. And we each have a role to play something that God's given us. This is a little morbid, but if I were to sever my finger from my hand, would it continue to grow with the rest of my body? Absolutely not, right? You would know it to be dead. But but we think that somehow in, in our, our spiritual growth, in our recovery, that we can get to a certain place and we can cut ourselves off and continue the walk and the pursuit that we had the entire time. How ridiculous is that? God views his church as the body of Christ, and you're a member of that body. That if you've stepped into relationship with Jesus, if you've stepped into recovery, which I want to reiterate, around here we believe is centered solely on a relationship with Jesus. So you're a part of the church. Everything that you do is done in unity with God's body. And we all belong to each other. We're all meant to grow together, to function together together. We're meant to do life together. And so growth, again, growth comes through a connection with the body. Around here, and I love this saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I don't know about you, but when I'm running my race, that finish line's real far away. And I want to go far, right? I want to reach it. I want to run my race well, which means I need people to go with me. I want you to go with me. I want to journey with you, and I hope that you want me to journey with you because growth comes through a connection with the body. And so after all that, you're good. There's nothing else, right? Just uh, two points tonight. Is everybody good with that? No. Unfortunately, there's five tonight, but uh, (laughs) point number three is this. Growth comes. This one's real fun. This one's real fun. Growth comes through confession, and repentance, confession and repentance, man, doesn't that just get you all excited and tingling inside? There's nothing I love more than telling people about my failures, right? It's just, that's good stuff, man. It's no, not at all, right? This is that part of the Bible that, that you wish you could just glaze over, like, I don't need that, right? Forget that. Forget that confession stuff. And repentance, you know what repentance is? That means I got to like stop doing all the stuff I was doing and, and do something different. Right? we got to turn away. That's literally what that word means, is to turn away. It's a 180. That if you're going in this direction and it's brought to your attention that, hey, this is one of those sins you need to strip off. It's one of those weights that's holding you down. You need to about face and walk away from it. And you know what? As Christians, we struggle in that too. In recovery, we struggle to, to do that. We recognize these things are bad, and then we're like, oh, just covered by the blood of Jesus. All grace over here. God will forgive me. Hey, yeah, he will, but you're still called to set that stuff down and stop living like a dirtbag, right? Can I say that? Like change your life, right? Change your life. Do something different. And I get it. I'm not perfect. I fail every day. And it's up to me to recognize those failures, to confess when I'm wrong, and to turn away from it and do better and to pursue something better because that's where growth takes place. You don't just step into church, you don't just step into relationship and everything remain the same. And if you've arrived at a place where you feel like there's nothing left for you to sit down, you've been deceived. There's always room for growth. There's always something there. And so growth comes through confession and repentance. Growth starts, it begins at salvation, right? You were dead but you were made alive, and then you began that journey of growth. And I want to share with you just to kind of to reveal this from the book of Acts. And, and this is a significant passage for a couple reasons. It's a significant moment. One, it gives us a picture of repentance and the work that takes place, both in text and in the life of the one presenting it. And so here in Acts, it's going to be Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at Peter. Now, so this is Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. And towards the end of Jesus' life, Peter did something significant. He turned away from Jesus. He repented from the wrong thing, right? He's like, I don't know that guy. And he began to deny Jesus, and he made a terrible, terrible mistake um, in his judgment there. And then he had an opportunity on the other side of resurrection to repent. And to turn away from what he was doing and to accept Jesus and to accept Jesus' call on his life and to do something different. And so here in Acts, Acts 2.38, the thing that had taken place was Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit was given to all those who believe. And in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, each of you must repent. Say "Repent." repent. Repent of your sins and turn to God. And so turn from the things you're doing wrong. And turn towards God. And be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. Then. Say then. Amen. Then you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so here we have this picture of Peter. Who repented. And received salvation. And he's saying. Man as we do this. As we walk this out. God will begin to use us. He'll give us the spirit. Growth takes place in that moment. And that's where it begins. That's where it's initiated. The moment. The very moment you gave your life to Jesus, and if you haven't, I want to encourage you to make that decision, but as you give your life to Christ, you're reborn, infancy, spiritual infancy, and then you begin growing. You start off in infancy, and then you begin your growth, but it's up to us to continue to pursue that growth, and so in Acts 39 and 40, it says, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All have been called by the Lord God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. That's the initial call, the initial place of growth, that growth comes through confession and repentance. And it continues, James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other. Well, I thought I confessed them to God. yes. For that initial, right? That, that's where it starts. That's where it begins. But, but then there's a call beyond that. And this is where it gets real uncomfortable because it requires us to be connected to the body, right? It requires us to have healthy people in our lives. And in James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So again, growth comes through confession and repentance. And as we begin to be vulnerable with people around us, as we begin to journey together, we have opportunities for this, where we can go to those people who love us, we can go to those people who journey with us, and we can say, I'm struggling here, will you pray for me? Because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, right? That when we lift each other up, there's a great work that takes place in our lives. And unless we're open and honest and growing together, we can't experience it. But when we do, growth takes place through confession and repentance where we turn away. Something takes place in our lives. When we just state, I failed here. And it's not so that you feel awful and just waller in it. No, it's not so you're so overcome with griefs and shame that you just want to lay down and die. No, it's for the opportunity to heal. It's for the opportunity to grow. This is a righteous person, has great power, and produces wonderful results. Point number four is this. Growth comes through loving and serving others. Growth comes through loving and serving others. That when we talk about growth, again, it's so important that we're connected it's so important that we're connected with people because we need the opportunity, again, to love and to serve one another. If you're sitting at home doing church, you're not connecting anybody, I mean, who's really putting you in an uncomfortable place? You ever come here on a Sunday morning, right? The church is full of great people that I love dearly. And if I'm being real honest, sometimes those people make me really uncomfortable and I get opportunities to grow on a Sunday morning, right? But you got to show up here. And I'm sure the same thing takes place here on a Monday, right? That you encounter people that make you just a little uncomfortable sometimes, that you've got to love and to serve. Those are all opportunities for growth. Growth comes through loving and serving. Mark Mark 9, through 34, I love this. Um, it's a picture that Jesus' disciples are, are walking with him. They're journeying with him. And, and here in Mark, I we really just get an insight into the fact that, that these people around Jesus, they were people, right? That they were real, that they were raw. And so Mark 9, through 34. Again, I want to apologize. I know we're covering a ton of content in a short amount of time. Check out the YouVersion Bible app. All of our notes are on there. You can download it. Events tab. Every single passage of Scripture we use here, whether it shows up on the screen or not, can be found on that. It's a great resource. But Mark 9:33 through 34, it says, "After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, who were these? The disciples? After they arrived, they'd been walking with Jesus. And so after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, "What were you discussing out there on the road?" But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. It's incredible you know to I me, mean, right? These, this is Jesus' hand-picked 12. And you know what? <laughs> they're arrogant just like I can be arrogant. And I like that because it makes me feel better about the areas I need to grow, right? Jesus is first 12. And they're, they're arguing about who's, who's the greatest. Like, who's going to be like have the, the best position in Jesus's kingdom? Who's the greatest? And so Jesus in, in 35, it says, he sat down, Jesus did, and he called the 12 disciples over to him. And he said, whoever wants to be first must take the place and be the servant of everyone else. Right? That, that if you want to grow, and, and that's what we usually look at, right? First is a place of elevation, that, that from the time we were little, we wanted to be the top, right? We wanted to be the first picked by the teacher. If you had multiple siblings in your household, you wanted to be the favorite. If you were getting picked for basketball out in the street, that like you wanted to be first to pick, right? That we always look at the first is the best, the greatest, the place of elevation. And that's what we're pursuing, right? In every place. That if, if I'm at my job, I want to be at the top, right? That guy makes the most money. He gets to tell people what to do. That's the best place to be, right? No matter what it is, we recognize this as, as number one, right? That's where we're going. And Jesus' 12 disciples, they viewed it the same exact way. But Jesus takes their whole narrative and he turns it up on his head. And it says around here, if you want to grow, if you want to be elevated, you start down here that's the place, that, that you want to outserve the people around you. You want to humble yourself. You want to love them and serve them, and that's how you get to the number one spot around here. That's what Jesus lays out, and that's my challenge to you, that, that maybe you've shown up to places like this, and you've wondered, why don't I grow at church? Where are you serving? What are you doing? You, just, you walk in, walk out, do church at home three nights, or three weeks or three days out of the week, whatever, right? You're, you're, not, you're not a part of anything. That's why you're not growing. Oh, my marriage is just bad. How do I get a better marriage? You serving your wife? Right? You serving your kids? You serving your husband? What are you doing? Right? Are you just waiting on them to come to you? That if you want to be elevated there, you take the place of servant. What about your job? You being good to the people around you? Or are they just waiting for you to leave? Saying, so talk about you behind your back. That we need to take that position. If we want to grow and we need to go to the bottom and say, what can I do for the people around me? How can I be good to you? How can I serve you? And Jesus is around here that the last will be the greatest. Those who serve, those who love will be elevated. That's where growth takes place. That's where spiritual growth takes place. That's where growth in our recovery takes place. And if you're always looking, what can you do for me? Of course, you're not going to grow. That's why you're stuck. It's so important. It was actually such a big deal to Jesus that not only one time when he was asked by a teacher of religious law, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Not only did Jesus respond that it can be summed up in two, right? Love God, love people. But he also said this on the very last night with his disciples, that Jesus' last dinner with everybody together before his death, before his crucifixion, he took time to serve them. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you know the Last Supper, Jesus washed their feet. He took the lowliest place of everyone in the room to illustrate this to them. Knowing this is the last time before everything takes place. I don't know about you, but if I knew my last moments and my last words to my family and the people I care about and love... I would make sure that they were exceptionally important, right? I would, I would have choice words and things that I would want to say and leave to each person in that room that would impact them significantly for the rest of their life. I would imagine Jesus would do the same, right? And so his last moments were sent, spent serving. And in John 13, 34 through 35, it says, So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. He's saying this after washing their feet and serving each of them. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That the way that we love and serve the people around us, not only does it grow us in our recovery, but it's the thing, the only thing that that he calls out that says, that's going to make you stand apart. That's going to that's let people know that you follow me, that you pursue something different, is by this single act here. And so are you loving the people around you? Are you serving the people around you? Because if you're not, you've totally missed it. You've totally missed the mark. And unless you are willing to take the place of a servant, you can't grow. You can never be elevated. you can never rise in your pursuit of Jesus. And so again, point number four: growth comes through loving and serving. The last thing I want to leave with you guys, I believe that it's incredibly crucial, and it's the thing that so many people miss it on. And it's point number five and assist: Growth comes through persistence. And the thing is, we get discouraged. I get it. Be honest, as a pastor, I have ups and downs, right? That, that some weeks I feel incredibly close to God. And there's other weeks that he, he feels a million miles away. And, it, and if I encounter that and I experience that, I know that you guys do too. And, and we get in these places and we get in these ruts of life and, and there's a distance that's felt. And sometimes we just feel like giving up. Maybe it's in your recovery, right? You're trying to pursue sobriety. And last week, man, this was all you wanted. But this week, it's a struggle because you've hit roadblocks. And you've started to question, is this really for you? Can I really change? Will I ever be different? Maybe it's your marriage. It's been broken, right? you remember the good times. It was so good for so long. But this week, this month, this year, it's not your year. And you couldn't feel farther from your spouse. You guys fight all the time. There's so much distance there. What's well, well, happened? Life's happened, right? God never guaranteed that any of this would be perfect or go great, right? Actually, we're, we're told to count it all joy as, as problems come our way. We, we should meet that with expectation. But the reality is it's hard. But but growth comes through persistence. That when we hit those walls, when we face the storms of life, when it's difficult to love our spouse, when when recovery seems like it's on the last leg, those are the moments that we are called to dig the deepest and push the hardest. Because it's always darkest before the dawn, right? It, it's it's at that moment that right at the end, when all hope seems lost, that, that success is right over. But but we give up. We quit. We decide to to turn the other way, to do something different. And we fail to be persistent in those moments when it's hardest. And so again, growth comes through persistence. During one of his most famous teachings, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had this to say. It was specifically about prayer, but he says this in Matthew 7, 7 through 8. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And prayer, prayer is, is not insignificant. Prayer is the way that, that we communicate with God, right? It's, it's the foundation of that, that relationship, that, that we need that communication, but it's also the place that we pursue God's will. That, that prayer is how we, how we talk to God. What, what would you have me to do, Lord? Help me in this moment to, to be who you've called me to be. To love how you've called me to love. To serve in the ways that you've called me to serve. And as we continue to ask, we'll receive. As we continue to knock, the door will be open. As we continue to pursue God's will, he will help you to find it and to align yourself with it. And that's where growth takes place. As we continually seek him when it's difficult, when it's hard, when we say, I'm not giving up, I'm gonna dig deep, I'm gonna be persistent. God's promise to us is he'll answer, may not be easy. I almost guarantee you that nine times out of 10, you're not gonna like what you have to hear, right? Because it requires us to set down our will But if you want to grow, you've got to remain persistent, diligent, and keep knocking, keep asking, and keep pursuing. And God's on the other side of that door, and he's going to open it. He's going to answer, and he's going to help you to grow and achieve the things that he has for you. And so again, growth comes through persistence. recap tonight. Growth comes through engagement with God's word. It's so important to pick up our Bible, to open our Bible, to read our Bible. It's God's word. And if you really dwell on that, if if you're a Christian, you believe that, that God created it all. And if you're a Christian, you believe that that book that you likely bought off of Amazon is God's word and it is. Think about the significance of that. Treat it as such. Pursue it. Growth comes through an engagement with God's word. Number two, growth comes through a connection with the body. That's the church, right? That's what we're doing right here, right now. Get in groups. Get in studies. Show up on Monday. Show up on Sunday, right? Engage with people outside of those two days, right? Live life together. Growth comes through an engagement with the body. Number three, growth comes through confession and repentance. It's not fun. It's not fun, but in order to be elevated, we have to recognize our failures. We've got to recognize our areas of growth. Growth comes through confession and repentance. That second part, it's crucial. Stop living life the way you were. Step away from it. Step away from it. And then number four, growth comes through loving and serving others. Love the people around you. Serve the people around you. If you want to be first, you've got to start at the last place. You've got to humble yourself and be a servant to those around you. Number five, growth comes through persistence. I get it. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. Keep trying. Keep knocking. Keep pursuing it. One day it's going to click. I meant to say this in my message. Uh, I gave my life to Jesus the first time. Some weird Baptist church. It was really uncomfortable. Eight years old. Hated every minute of it. Everyone else was going up front. i like, I'll do that too. Um, that was bad. And then I'm like, then I kind of pursued life. And I'm like, I, I tried Christianity. It didn't, it didn't stick. It didn't take, you know, this, this is all just crap, you know. I never actually walked it out, right? Because I was mistaken. There was more to it than, than walking up front and raising my hand, right? It was, it was a change in my life that I missed. And then, second time... Uh, in prior military school, 16 years old, gave my life to Jesus. And I believe right there that that God legitimately, I I knew what I was doing and, and the seed of his spirit was planted inside of me. And then I left that place and I tried to live the way that I always lived, except this time it was never right. It was always uncomfortable. And from 16 To 30, I still struggled in addiction and struggled in sin, but I kept showing up to places like this, right? And I didn't know why, and I didn't understand, but I was persistent. And little by little, more and more of the people in my life began to look the way that Jesus wanted them to look. And over a 14-year period, finally, God was able to click a light on in my dense skull. Because growth comes through persistence. Growth comes through persistence. So maybe it's been one year, maybe it's been five. Don't give up yet. Keep pushing, keep fighting, keep driving. And somewhere, somehow, sometime, God's going to do a significant work in your life. I promise you that. Growth comes through persistence. And all of this, everything we talk about, again, I've already said it, it hinges on a relationship with Jesus. That is the center of everything we do here. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, it is the best decision you can ever make and it is the only way you'll find success in life, in recovery, in whatever you're pursuing. And so here at the end of service, we're gonna have some some people up front, our chip prayers and huggers. And if you're in here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor? I think, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to recognize that Jesus was the son of God. That he's my only way to be saved. And, and I'm ready to give my life to him. I'm ready to pursue him with everything. And you're ready to step into a relationship. We would love to pray with you and for you after service. And maybe you're in here and you've done that. But you've gotten off track. You, you messed it up. Right? Maybe you're like me and you started at 16 and, and then you went right back to the same old lifestyle. And you're like, can I come back? Did, did I screw it up? I mean, it didn't take the first time. What's going on? Absolutely. It is never too late to turn back to him. And so if you're in here tonight and you need to recommit, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. And when we have these people up front, I want to encourage you to step out of your seat, come down here and pray with them. Let them pray for you. Pray with them so that you can come back home. And then if you're in here and God's just been pressing something on your heart, he's just been dinging you and saying, that right there, that's a roadblock. That's a chain. That's a barrier. That's holding you back. You need to set that down. If that's you, we have these white chips up here. And all it is, it's just a recognition that you've laid it at the foot of the cross. And so if you're in here tonight and you're ready to set something down, you're ready to repent, to turn away from it, and to pursue all that he has for you, I want to encourage you to step out of your seat, to grab one of these chips, just so you know that tonight was the night that you broke that chain, that Jesus broke that chain, that he set you free from from that addiction, from that stronghold, from that lie. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You're in here tonight and you just want somebody to journey with you. I want you to know this. This is a house of prayer. We're with you. We're for you. And we would love to pray with you. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to do the same thing, to come down front. And if everybody would, as we close tonight, if you would stand your feet as we close in worship.